you'd like to read with us. Uh, I want you to pay attention real close to the scripture we're going to be reading. One of the verses come from the sermon from Stephen that Carol was singing about. Uh, and you know, I'm afraid too many times we read over stuff in the Bible and don't contemplate what it really means for us. But we're going to start off in the 15th chapter of Exodus and reading the second verse. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Now, a habitation is a place of residence, dwelling, or abode. And, you know, that was back in the Old Testament. And I'm afraid a lot of times uh, we want to do away with all of the Old Testament, but it's not. And then if you go into the New Testament, into the seventh chapter of Acts, in this sermon that Stephen was given that ended up costing him his life because they didn't like what he preached. We're just going to be reading the 49th verse. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Now, you know, uh, that just is a continuation of what was given to us back there in Exodus. And he asked, what house will you build me? Well, you and I, uh, what God's referring to there is what kind of a heart do we have for God to dwell in in us? And, you know, a lot of times people don't like to think of that very much of exactly what it would be <coughs> for God to, what kind of a place God would be dwelling in, and y'all pray for my throat. Uh, <coughs> but uh, each one of us, God's supposed to be, if we're a born-again Christian, he's supposed to be dwelling within us a place where we can actually have that's fit for God to dwell in, uh, a house that's clean, that's dedicated. You know, the Bible speaks one place about uh, a place where that God could dwell when a person gets right with God, they come and swept and it's clean. <coughs> and yet then when Satan comes back, he moves in with far more than he had left with. You and I today, God wants us to keep ourselves. He tells us to keep ourselves unspotted for the world. But now if you'll turn into Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to read a few verses here and give you some definitions of some words so we can see exactly what each one of us need to be... <coughs> <coughs> striving to do. I right, in the sixth verse of this fourth chapter, 
Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, and the very definition of true is having uh, a basic base in fact, not fiction, but true story. <coughs> whatsoever things are honest, honorable in principle, intentions, and actions, upright. Whatsoever things are just, and accordance with or adhering to the principles of justice and fair. Whatsoever things are pure, free from anything of different, inferior, or con con contamination of any kind. Whatsoever things are lovely, charmingly or exquisitely beautiful, having a beauty that appears to the heart, appeals to the heart as well as to the eye. Whatsoever things are good, of good report, good, better, best, morally excellent, virtuous, righteous, report an account or statement describing in detail an event. <clears throat> if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, as I was thinking on this and reading this, I got to thinking how many of us read over this and we fail to see just how important these words are and what it means to our character to truly be what God's asking of us here to be. And that last part there said, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these, virtue, moral excellence, goodness, righteousness, and praise, the offering of grateful homage in word or song as an act of worship. Now, you and I today, everything that we do should lead to that last part there, that we should be something to lift a praise and worship of God. Because you and I, there is nothing else in our life that's any ways near as important as it is to truly live a life that's acceptable unto God, that the world can see that we've come out from the world and we're separated people, and that our life, in our life, truth, it matter, purity, it matter, virtue, matter, all of these things are very important, and it should be said that we said it at the very top of Amos, why you can't do anything that's better than the truth the truth cannot be compromised 
and you compromise it and no longer the truth and you can't believe it. Oh, that's the way the devil likes to work today. Give you just enough truth to get you to swallow a lie. But you and I today, all it is though, it's still a lie and God won't be in you. Not only to be truthful, but to desire the truth out of those that we come in contact with. But you know, we're living in a day and a time when people here, they don't treasure truth the way that they should. You know, like we was talking there in Sunday school, you know, if you've never known a person to lie to you, when they tell you something, it's easy to believe them, isn't it? But if a person's ever lied to you one time and you've caught them in it, you know it's a lie, boy, no matter what they say, it's hard to believe them. Why? In the back of your mind, you're thinking, are they lying to me again? Well, you know, as we were studying there in Sunday school, the devil's a liar and the father of him. You and I, we cannot believe anything that he says is trying to deceive us. And if it's not something that's true, if it's not something that's honest, if it's not something that's just, then me and you ought to know, don't believe it. The devil is always trying to get us to accept that that is wrong. And if he can convince us of a little, Darrell was mentioning that about somebody going to a same-sex wedding there in Sunday school. You know, I don't care, thank God, none of my children was into anything like that and none of my grandchildren has been into anything like that that I'm aware of. But I do not care Anybody that asks me to go and participate to be in the crowd of anything that goes against God's word, you've wasted your time in inviting me or even talking to me about it because I will not compromise the standard that's true just to make somebody feel better here in this life. I have not. If a person invites you to go where you know you shouldn't go, they don't really love you or they don't know what your standard is and you need to teach them. That is a, a point where we can teach what our standard as a Christian is and we're not willing to compromise that. And you and I today, when it comes down to this, and what we was reading here to you, I underlined all these words. They're true, honest, just, uh, pure, lovely of good report. I underlined all of them, underlined them all with red. Why? Because it's the things that need to stand out to you in these verses. <coughs> he took the time here to label them like that and put it down for you and I. Then he finished it all. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You and I now we got a heart that these things are important to us. 
We don't have a heart that can give praise unto God. We might go to church. We might sit down. We might sing a hymn. But it's not a heart of perfect praise that's going up to God. Our world is full of people that sit in church every week. And yet they don't know God. They got their name on the church roll. But yet their heart is not tuned into the things of God. Their desires is not Please, God, first of all, oh, I'm glad God put me with a woman he did, because no other could have probably put on with what we went through, but she's not as important to me as God is, oh, I love my kid that God blessed me with, but yet they're not important as God is, why they should change this old man the way God is, and you and I today, that's the thing we need to keep in mind. Of what God has done for us that nobody else can do. That's why I can praise God. You know, isn't it wonderful if you've been a Christian any time? Isn't it wonderful that God didn't just stop? The day that he forgive you of your sins and say, now you're on your own for the rest of your life. But each and every day he's there to talk to us and commune with us. He's there to hear and answer our prayers. He's there to do that that we can't do if we got the faith to believe. Look back there in the Bible the many times Christ proved himself and healing, raised the dead. All those things that he done back there and then he said by his stripes me and you are healed. Can we believe that his word is true? God has never lied to me. Well I've had everybody in my lifetime. People I thought I could I'd find out later they had lied to me. But I can't find one way where I could show you where God ever told me anything that it didn't come true. Each and every one of us. God's the truth, and everybody else is a liar. And we might not want to think that. Some friend of ours, might even be our mom, might even be our dad or a brother or a sister, as being a liar. But if they're not a Christian, they might not admit it, but they tell things that's not true quite frequently. And if they are a Christian, they shouldn't be telling a lie no time. You know, even if it come down to the time where your life was on the line, be better to tell the truth than it would be to lie then, most importantly. Because you tell a lie, you might die anyhow. Because do you realize life and death is in God's hands? Might, man might think he's taking your life, but it's literally up to God whether you die or not. And man might say, well, if you say this, I'll spare you life. And you know it's a lie. And you do that, death angel could call your number right then anyhow. Then you're going to stand before God guilty of lying. So each and every one of us, 
we need to stop and think. These words here and the definitions I give to you, they're true. It's something that God wrote down for me and you of good report. Do you realize my dad, he didn't even complete the second grade. And he got right with God when he was 15 years old. The day after being so drunk that he couldn't walk by himself. And when he was 16, God called him to preach. And taught him how to read. And he preached for 63 years. And I don't know at the times that God heard and answered prayers from him that was miracles. And you and I today, there's people, you go back, find them that dad dealt with, that done business with, they're still living. Dad had a name, though he never... I think about the most money dad ever made in his life was $3 and something an hour. And that was just a short time before he, his heart got so bad that he couldn't work. But dad never met, beat a man out of a dollar. And when I started out, needed to borrow some money to buy some furniture, or first off is a car, and went to the bank well, they wanted somebody to sign my note. Dad come in and sign my note. And because he was my father, they give me the money. Dad told me, he said, I'll back you as long as you don't let me down, but you ever let me down, I won't do it again. I never needed him to sign my note again because I paid that off when I went back. The banker said, now, who are you? And I told him, and he said, Riley Hensley's boy. Oh, okay. That's all he needed to know. Because Dad had a reputation. And because of it, I was able to make things easier in my life because of his <laughs> reputation. Of good report. You and I today... Is your life of good report to where your children can look at it and see it pays to be honest, it pays to be truthful, it pays to be just. Each and every one of us, somebody is looking at your life. Is it your children? Is it a neighbor? Who is it? Are you living a life to where they can look at you and say, that's a person of good report. I don't know anything bad to say about him. You know, my dad, he told me this years and years ago. He said, Herb, you live for the Lord. He said, there'll be a lot of lies told on you. He said, but don't worry about them. He said, the devil, he always overreaches. He said, he'll always tell a lie that the only ones that's going to believe it is those that's wanting to tear you down anyhow. He said, those that know you, they ain't going to believe it. Each and every one of us, 
a lie is not really going to hurt you. It's the bad truth that can kill you. <clears throat> Each one of us, please, think about these things right here that we read to you. And just see how your life is measuring up. Somebody really gets to examining you. I don't care if you say you're a Christian. If somebody gets to ex really examining your life, do you come forth as a Christian? Is that what they see, a Christian, or do they see a church member? Do you realize church members go to hell? You got to be a born again Christian to make heaven your home. And in America, we've got thousands and thousands and thousands, maybe even millions <clears throat> of church members that's not right with God. That's why the Bible says it's going to be a few that's going to enter in at the straight gate. People, you know, I've got people that thinks times have changed. I've had people sit right here in this church and hear a message preached and get mad and leave because they did not want to live by that scripture and they had other churches that would not require them to live by. I can't make you live by anything I preach. That's your choice if you want to take the word of God or not. I can just tell you the consequences are not good if you don't accept what God's word says. And you can take the Old Testament, I can go back in the Old Testament and get you standards that Christians are supposed to live by today, moral standards that people don't want to adhere to. I can take the New Testament and give you moral standards that we're supposed to live by that people won't, don't want to adhere to. Why? You know what they will say? Times have changed. What does the Bible say? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. That's why the Ten Commandments, though they was wrote and given back in the Old Testament, they still stand today. And each and every one of us, we need to stop and really think of that. And the... And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You and I, you know, there is not a thing in this world that you can be able to find comfort in except Christ Jesus. I was talking to my brother, and... Uh, he pretty much told the doctor same thing I told one once uh, because he was wanting out of the hospital. They kept him in the hospital for 18 days and did absolutely nothing for him until the 18th day. And that's, they told him that's when he was going to be. He said, I live here in town. Let me go home and I'll come back that day. No, we got to keep you here. They did absolutely nothing, just feed him, and that's it. He said, when I seen the bill they turned into my insurance company, it was $55,000 for that 18 days lay there in the hospital. Doing, getting nothing done for him, just laying there in the hospital, 55000 
Well, come another time, and he told him, he said, I'm going home. And the doctor, his female doctor, told him, you can't go home. He said, yes, I can. He said, who do you think you are? He said, I can walk out of here anytime I want to. And she said, well, your insurance will not pay for none of this. You're going to have to pay for it out of your pocket. He said, I've walked out four other times, and my insurance company paid for it, and they'll pay for this one. He said, and it made her mad, and she got up and walked out. <laughs> you and I today, man can tell you, you got to do this, you got to do that, all of these rules and regulations. Only thing you've got to do is face God with the life you live. And you're going to face him. Whether it's acceptable unto him or whether it's one he's going to reject, you're still going to face him and give an account. And none of us has a way to escape that. There is no way to say, well, I'm the son or I'm the daughter of this person that was a good Christian. That'll get me by. No, honey, you're going to stand before God for yourself. There is no way to get around it. No matter who you know, no way to escape. Each one will give an account for ourselves. And if you got sin in your life, I can tell you right now what's going to be the outcome. When you stand before God with sin, the Bible tells us, you know, isn't it wonderful to have a God that is so fair, so loving, so kind, that he tells us what the outcome of our trial is going to be before we ever go to it. You got your sins under the blood, you're going to stand there and hear him say, Father, this one's mine. But if you don't, he's going to say, I don't know you. And the only place then to go is the lake of fire. Each and every one of us, while we get some song to sing, each and every one of us, please, I beg you, read this scripture I read to you today. Think upon that. What kind of a house are you building for God? Is it one that truth is valued? Justice is valued? Honesty is valued? Is it one where God looks down and sees somebody that their heart is striving to be what God would have them to be? The Bible said if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, he said you shall be filled. Do you really hunger for the things of God? Do you really want to be that kind of a person that stands out? You know, when I was growing up, there was people in church that I seen that went to church with them from the time I was a kid up. Never seen a spiritual testimony out of them. Never seen anything that would make you think, boy, they're on fire Christians. Then there was others. You'd see shout. You could hear them pray. They had a testimony. That was the kind of person, if you want to be an on fire Christian, that's the kind of person you look at and you want to pattern your life after. Well, you and I today, God has said he'll give us the sincere desires of our heart. Do you really desire the things of God? Do you want to be blessed to where your cup, as the old saying goes, is overflowing? 
God will give you what you hunger and desire and thirst after. While we sing, will you come? Each one of us, we have the opportunity of being an all-far born-again Christian. Or we can just go along. You know, anybody can go along with the tide. Just go along the way that the pressures of this world is pushing us. But each one of us, if we want to be a Christian, we got to go against that. We got to go against the way that all of the world's wanting to go, where it's on our job or wherever. Stand up and be counted for Christ. And it can make a difference in your life. <clears throat> Anyone else? Let's each and every one come and pray with Beulah. And please, I beg you, if your heart 